0: Segment of my reality, where we talk about the true stuff that makes this big old world seem made up. I'm your first co host, Jeremy Bales. And I'm your other co host, Jason Wright. So, Jeremy,
1: sports aren't really a thing right now. Sports so. have died,
0: gone to sports heaven in some <laughs> cases. Yeah. Curling <laughs> can stay where it is in this cold sports hell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'm not like, I'm not super into sports, but you know, I like to turn one every once in a while. So, I'm like, I, the other day, I'm like, I'm kind of interested in what. ESPN's got going on. I was like, what in the world is possibly going on in ESPN? So I turn uh-huh. it on, and, and there it is, in all its glory, the Cornhole National Championships. No way. <laughs> <laughs> and and you obviously have to be skilled and everything to do that, but it's still not the typical sports that you see, right? It's Cornhole, no, kind, yeah. of backyard type so, kind of a backyard-type thing. So like an ESPN Ocho type thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So... What it made me think, what would I really like to see? And what haven't I watched in a while that I would like to see again? Okay. And what popped in my mind is combining the cornhole experience with the strongman competition and just show pull your work. People, I'm interested. Go, go around, find the most elite dad bods stuck in quarantine. Okay. Bring them out to do a strongman competition to see who the strongest dad is. <laughs>
0: Now, how does that combine with the cornhole method or the methodology? I mean, cornhole as a sport, I would throw under the dad
1: category, mm. right?
0: You're grilling, you're playing cornhole, dad so sport. Probably probably lawn, dart. So if we're doing a uh, dad bod sort of decathlon here, <laughs> yeah, figure probably... grilling, cornhole, <laughs> um, probably throwing something at the TV, uh, lawn darts for sure maybe ladder ball depending on the season so strong men
1: sometimes they they pick up those big round stones and they yep. put them on pillars maybe we swap out the stones for various size grills where okay they're they're bodying okay. these grills and trying to lift them up onto various platforms balancing
0: them on the gut to try to get that nice move. exactly
1: maybe you start <laughs> off with a with a small propane grill mm-hmm. maybe a collapsible to... one <laughs> And then you move up to like a portable charcoal grill. Oh gosh! And and then, then at the end, you got your your double decker, super wide, extra extra burner smoker <laughs> grill that Big Papa's got to load up on that beer belly and get up on that six foot platform.
0: I love it. So, uh, an- another question: What could we enter into to sort of meld these these great professions together of strongman and dad? Um, <laughs> You know the event where they have to huck something over a very tall bar. What are they yeah. hucking and how how tall is that bar? I I mean you gotta lower the bar, right?
1: They're the regular strongman, I think they're throwing like kegs and stuff. Right. Over like fifteen. So, so maybe feet. like a
0: thirty-six pack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe let's tone it
0: down. Maybe like a six pack. Okay. <laughs> that works too. And,
1: and they gotta throw it
0: maybe twelve feet? Yeah, the and added complication is the bottles are going to come out. And you have I was going to gonna say those. you get an
1: extra foot for every bottle that stays in the six pack.
0: Well, I think you need bottles in the six packs. Otherwise, you're just throwing cardboard. And frankly speaking, <laughs> that sounds like more of a challenge.
1: <laughs> I mean, the bottles stay in there when you throw it. But I'm saying when it lands. Say oh. say say you're, say me and you are in the finals. Yeah. obviously not we're we're not professional dad yet but we're we're getting we're getting <laughs> give it so. some time man give it some time <laughs> so say we're there we're in the finals we're both throwing the the six pack 11 feet high
0: okay
1: we both make it yeah they hit the ground two mm-hmm. of them roll out in mine but yours stay all in there mine adds an extra four feet on and yours adds an extra six and you win
0: Ooh. now here's here's a great tiebreaker we know we're throwing over the same height. They both stay in. How fast can you finish that six pack? Also, in addition,
1: <laughs> you gotta you gotta throw it. Keep an eye on it. it it's really bad for the first guy because he mm-hmm. doesn't know if you tied or not. So he has to run over there and chug those beers no matter what.
0: <laughs> this is great, man. I think ESPN would would be so lucky to pick this up, especially
1: and- in the in these times. They need the that, dad bod strongman
0: competition and the thing the beauty of it is you can stay socially distanced so easily with that that's something i didn't even consider with the cornhole is like there's a regulation 27 feet that's keeping people socially distanced for sure it's a beautiful thing <laughs> exactly all righty well now that we have uh solved espn's problems let me you're uh, welcome. yeah you're welcome espn send us the check uh i'm switching it up a little bit so I don't have a story prepared, but what I do have are a slew of strange mental illnesses or syndromes that I've come across that are just hyper bizarre. And when we're all said and done, Jason, I want you to sort of maybe not necessarily order all of them, but give me like a top three, because most of these are just kind of inconvenience things, (laughs) but we'll, we'll get to that. I feel like I'm going to be running the WebMD after this. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, if you have any (laughs) of these symptoms, um, A, and your wife didn't notice them, we got a big issue there. And B, I don't think you'd be in any type of mental state to do uh, much of anything, much less record a podcast. So the first one (laughs) is called Cotard's Syndrome. C-O-T-A-R-D-S Syndrome. Its likelihood is about a billion to one. But the kicker is... So there's seven people with this. There's not many. (laughs) (laughs) So the kicker of it, the big, the token piece de resistance to this syndrome, is that the sufferers believe that they are deceased. So there is a a case where um, a guy for 18 months basically was walking around as though he was was dead. So he believed himself a corpse and acted in that way. And the interesting thing that i found it would be very tough <laughs> is that a lot of the the patients unfortunately enough they pass from starvation because they don't have a need or feel the need or think any type of undead corpse walking around this lovely planet of ours need to eat
1: <laughs> that is wild so like it's legit then yes. it's not just like a, oh i'm a am I'm, I'm dead it's Okay, I'm not feeling any hunger. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, I, that's what I thought too. And I'll tell you later on, sort of what sparked my interest in, in um, doing a little bit deeper dive of these illnesses. So, the, so,
1: go ahead. So, my question is what happens when they actually die and they do turn into ghosts? Then what they do, you do you actually come back
0: alive because of the, the disease. <laughs> then they think they're alive again. Yep. <laughs> so, the next one is autophagia and this one seems to be a bit more common i don't have the numbers of the likelihood or the the cases to one uh, available but this one is almost polar opposite of the previous one in the sense that they feel the need to eat specifically themselves so autophagia uh, the, uh, <laughs> the that's the, way worse <laughs> the patient's have an obsession with eating themselves and will compulsively bite and chew uh, on themselves. So, fr- like the there's not typically seen a lot of damage because people still feel it and are not interested in it. But there was a case of a man, I think in India, who had some pretty severe finger trauma because he just wouldn't stop nibbling. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> it's a That's water, a terrible right? word to describe that nibbling. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. The third one I found uh, was called capgras capgras syndrome and this one is uh something out of you know a a movie perhaps because it gives the the sufferer delusions that someone close to you has been replaced by an imposter now this mm. would be just such a pain not only to yourself but to those around you because there'd be no convincing the sufferer of capgras that you are who you say you are.
1: They are who we thought they were. I mean, I think it would be most inconvenient to them because if you have the disorder, at least you're in, living in this farce.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But if you're very adjacent to this person,
0: you perhaps know the it, one who you they thought, the thought the was the imposter.
1: Is, <laughs> you you
0: took the blue pill. You knew you know what's going on, and there's nothing you can do to stop. You it. went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Which is a, a tremendous transition, I might say, because the next syndrome, Jason, is called the Alice in Wonderland Syndrome. Now, if you had to hazard a guess on the Alice in Wonderland Syndrome, what do you think some of the side effects would be?
1: Um, you see people as walking, playing cards, mm. um, <laughs> cats turn invisible besides their eyes and their mouth.
0: Okay. Um, Anything else? <laughs> rabbits always have clocks. Near miss, I will say. So the Alice in Wonderland syndrome, those who have to deal with this syndrome, they become confused by the size and shape of their own bodies. So it had been described that, you know. Um, That's every, me
1: every day looking in the
0: mirror. How did this happen? Now where did we this go isn't from me? Here? I don't remember me looking this way. But there's descriptions of people thinking that like the distances of or like rooms are shrinking or... Um, Getting massive and items are further away or too close or that type of thing. So, again, it's not as detrimental to the the welfare of the human like the little nibbler one was. But it is awfully inconvenient, I would say. And just a a sort of intermission on these. All of these, I'm sure, are very tough to deal with for the individuals and those around them. But gosh, Don, they are pretty dang strange. So we're going to talk about them. The next one, I really don't know how to pronounce it it's uh, but i'm gonna try <laughs> it's apotemno philia so apotemnophilia <laughs> apotemnophilia maybe but this one's another real kooky one um it doesn't say that people necessarily follow through on them but the description is that the patients have an overwhelming desire to amputate healthy parts of their own body So, again, not necessarily saying that people have done this, but uh, it's like autophagia, but with a little bit more commitment instead of just taking one little bite at a time. That's bad. That is bad. It's a bad one. This last one, last two, actually, made me chuckle probably more than they should. The one is called the Alien Hand Syndrome, or the ET Syndrome. And Jason, do you have any guesses on this one?
1: Um... They got they think they got big big alien hands. Big alien hands. That's that, that's my final answer, Jeremy. Big
0: alien hands. Da-na-na-na-na. Jason Wright. You've lost a million dollars, I'm sorry. Oh no. <laughs> the description of this one states that the the individual suffering from this syndrome has one hand that basically acts against the will of the body. So there's a lot, <laughs> lot lots of uh, descriptions of uh, the one hand will close a drawer shortly after the other hand opened it. I think like if you steal something, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was my alien hand. <laughs> one hand will uh, unbutton a button that has recently been buttoned. a <laughs> one- nerve. Yep. Can you can you imagine it? It takes me 45 <laughs> minutes in the morning to get ready anyway. I, now I got this hand working against get One me. hand to
1: the top button and the last button and the one other hand following it right up, unbuttoning uh-huh. them all.
0: <laughs> there was another one that I thought was great. You know, I would light a cigarette with one hand and the other hand would just immediately put it out. I think that's more than this syndrome. I think that's your body telling you to quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so that one I got a real chuckle out of. The last one is, is again, really, really out there. It's boanthropy. Boanthropy. Uh, simply put, this syndrome makes you, in the mental state, makes you think that you are a cow or an ox, depending on the day. <laughs> You go around, you moo, you eat grass, you know, you pull heavy yokes, burdens. So that'd be a rough, a rough life living out on the pasture. Some days it might be more peaceful, I would say. (laughs) So Jason, if you, if you had to, and and I'm making this the case, pick a top two or a top three that you would, uh, that you would prefer over the other ones. Which ones would you deal with? And I'll run them through one more time. So there's catard, so he believes you're dead. Autophasia is the nibbling. Capgras is uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You think somebody close to you is an imposter. Alice in Wonderland, Shape and Size of the Body, just doesn't make sense anymore. The one I can't say uh, is the Amputate Healthy Body Parts. Alien Hand and uh, the Cow Syndrome.
1: I think, I think if I had to have them, mm-hmm. I would have to take the alien hand. Yep, and maybe if I got to choose the who the person was for the imposter Ooh. one, so if I, I could just like pick a, pick a coworker or something, and, and they're replaced <laughs> and um, just
0: be naturally suspicious of them and have a reason behind it. This yeah, time. I mean, I mean, I already have that natural suspicion most of the time. <laughs> I already think Jim's been replaced, but now I know for sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, And I'll throw in a third, um, as the one that I think would be the worst or the sounds the scariest. Yes. um, Would probably be the amputational, and that sounds terrifying to me. That would be a terrible
0: urge to have. Just like, oh, my arm looks pretty healthy. You know, I think I still got to get rid of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, like uh, that would be that
0: would be rough. That one is rough. So. I will uh I'll pose just one more question. With the alien hand syndrome, what do you think would be the most annoying thing that the alien hand would do to sort of hinder your day-to-day life? Every time you try to answer a call, it immediately hangs up, maybe. Um, I'm going to the bathroom and I go oh. over in my in my alien hand
1: to turn the toilet paper from under to over. Oh, I and thought you were gonna go much worse. Well, as soon as you unzip zipped back up no
0: (laughs) oh man so yeah that's seven very peculiar very strange very real mental illnesses or syndromes
1: kind of dive in into the realm of what we were talking about in the intro some unusual
0: sports all right are you telling me there's already a dad decathlon that we did not get on board with
1: so this so this sport isn't in the same realm as that one but it is just as unusual let's do it when people think of sports they're kind of thinking usually like football soccer basketball you know the typical sports sports what if I told you it's possible to jam two sports together? Two sports that everybody knows of but would never think of putting together:
0: handball, uh,
1: chess boxing.
0: My interest is totally you have me, Jason. <laughs> Hit me with it. <laughs> so, chess boxing is
1: just what the name of it sounds like: a hybrid of chess and boxing and you might think well how in the world did anybody think to put this together? You must be psyched because that's exactly what you're thinking (laughs) so so a Dutch performance artist put this together and he got his idea from a 1992 French comic where people would box and then after they had a boxing match would play chess together
0: (laughs) so after your brain is well and truly thumped likely some level of concussion of some kind Mm
1: -hmm. now we're going to
0: play an intellectual game now we're going to get
1: there exactly that's the whole
0: concept behind
1: the comic itself (laughs) but this french performance artist saw that and said well this just isn't going to do we can't do it like this so his solution was to not have them as two separate things back to back but intertwine them and have a match of alternating
0: rounds of chess and boxing every other round i am so captured by this jason i want to know how they do this
1: digging into the rules of this they're alternating rounds every other round between chess and boxing they're three minute rounds and 11 rounds six rounds of chess five rounds of boxing Hmm. you win by either winning in chess or winning in boxing if you get a knockout or checkmate (laughs) you win
0: so yeah. you're telling me that somebody like a Mike Tyson could win, be the best in the world at chess boxing, not because he knows how to play the game of chess, <laughs> but because he could just end you in the round, first round. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but there are there are other rules, so you do you do need to know how to do both here. So like normal chess, there's a time constraint on on the playing time if you run out of time before you make your moves or anything Mm -hmm. you'll lose that way um you can lose in boxing any of the typical ways by by being disqualified or anything exactly there's rules to prevent you from stalling out also so like if you're boxing Mm. and and the other guy's winning in chess he can't just like dip back and try to dodge and not really box you um, there's there's penalties okay. and warnings. If you receive too many warnings, you'll be disqualified.
0: Kind of like a no clinching rule.
1: Exactly. So there's there are some rules and different ways to win this, but the main scheme behind this is box, chess, box, chess, box, chess. And after the whole 11 rounds are done, if nobody's won in either boxing or chess, it goes 100% boxing whoever scored the most points wins.
0: That sounds ludicrous.
1: <laughs> and then the the craziest rule which apparently has never came into effect is if the boxing match itself is also tied, the person who had the black chess pieces wins because white goes first, so black had a disadvantage of one less move. So black wins oh, the tie. My
0: goodness.
1: <laughs> I love it, dude. This
0: is genius. <laughs>
1: So, like any boxing boxing match, this is split up into weight classes, and it's popular enough that they have four different weight classes in both the men and women's division.
0: That is astounding to me. So, is there like a light heavy, heavy, and then there's like a featherweight? They have your, a lightweight,
1: a midweight, a light heavy, and a heavy in, hmm. both, in both categories.
0: That is amazing.
1: You might not have heard of chess boxing. That's because it's relatively new. So this is a recent thing. Chess boxing was invented in two
0: thousand and three. Wow, when did the comic come out? Do you know that? Nineteen ninety two. So he was slow playing.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it took him it took him a little over a decade to come up with this beautiful, beautiful game. Mm, fantastic. <laughs> so, so in two thousand and three, chess boxing made its debut in Berlin, and in that same year, they had a world championship. And right. the Dutch Chess Federation and the Dutch Boxing Federation both came together to oversee the World Championship of ah. Chess Boxing in the first
0: year. <laughs> so it quickly caught a little bit of steam. Yeah, it gave it some legitimacy. So let me ask you this, Jason. Um, I, it seems a bit uh, weighted toward the exceptional boxers. And I say that to say this I don't know how long it takes for each chess turn to be executed. But I feel like it would be a lot easier to knock somebody out in three minutes than to checkmate somebody in three minutes. From what I read, they, they make it
1: so you can't really stall one way or another. Mm. Um, so I, I'm thinking if you're a, exceptional at chess, in mm-hmm. mediocre at boxing, but able to hold your own and not get knocked out, it's probably feasible to win in, in one or two rounds
0: hmm. because of the,
1: the time limit constraints. This is remarkable.
0: Now, what what has the development been since 03? So,
1: after 03, a couple years later, through 2008, the sport kind of started to branch out. And it made its way into Berlin, um, where they had their own chess boxing organization. And they had their own tournaments and world, quote-unquote, world championships. Like, every country has their own world championships.
0: Now, why are you Um, saying (laughs) quote-unquote? You because have just destroyed I, that, the legitimacy.
1: See, that, see that, that kind of thing always confused me because, like, the NBA and NFL, it's always, like, the world championship. But it's, like, other countries have basketball, too, so why is this the world championship? Because it's just gotcha. in the United States. But it seems like every country does that. They call their their national championship for a sport the world championship.
0: That makes sense. I understand your quotations. In 2006
1: they had one of these world championships and they pulled in 800 spectators for for the event they're they're starting to pull in a, an okay crowd for this unusual sport that's only been going on for a couple years mm-hmm. um, and then in 2008 through 2011 some other countries start picking it up and you see it in the united states in los angeles and in new york i was gonna it's, say it had to be new york california yeah, of course, florida it, it made its way into London and in some pretty big cities and places. This is amazing. And eventually in two thousand eleven, two thousand fourteen it started turning is when it started turning into kind of a world phenomenon where they were having like global tournaments and competitions and stuff and they were having professionals where people were being paid to play Oh my god. To to box, <laughs> to play chess at the same time. This is fantastic. I think this is brilliant. So not just any Joe Schmo can walk. No, I figured into not <laughs> into the ring. You have to have some accolades, and those are in Elo rating, which is for chess of okay. of sixteen hundred.
0: Is that like how people attain Grandmaster status is a certain Elo rating? Yeah,
1: exactly. And you have to have at least participated in fifty amateur bouts, wow. and, and that's it. So it's not too strict on being eligible to participate in these big tournaments. Sure. I don't think the sport's popular yet. It hasn't had the time to develop into the gem it will be. God willing in the creek, don't rise. (laughs) I think we we can all understand 50 amateur bouts might be a lot in volume, but there's no requirements of win to loss ratio or anything. So You you could just fight (laughs) this. Exactly. You just have to to be there. Um, And I was curious how good a 1600 score is. Yeah. For the Elo rating, so an 800 would put you as at a beginner or a novice, and a 2200 would put you at a professional level, where the average is 15. So you're just really slightly above average in chess, okay. and you have to be able to participate in 50 boxing events. So you really don't have to be
0: it doesn't exceptional, seem that genius, does it?
1: <laughs> you don't have to really be exceptional at this point to participate, but I'm sure you have to be pretty good to win.
0: That's a I mean, what about, are there any accolades that are required from the boxing standpoint? Just the
1: 50 bouts. And they they can be in boxing or in uh, similar martial arts.
0: So MMA, that type of thing. Interesting. I like this, Jason. I like my odds. <laughs> so you could start training now. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: I, this has only been around for 17 years now. I so can get in on the
0: ground floor.
1: Think about how long baseball, basketball all these international sports soccer Maybe like was around before it's been it, around yeah before they blew up into what they act what they are now give mm. chess boxing some time
0: and yeah. you'll see it on espn <laughs> the ocho full disclosure this is even in times of uh pandemics this will not make it past the Ocho. <laughs> that's awesome i love it man well done good find that's it for this week's episode If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. helps us out a bunch. If you're interested in contacting us with one of your stories or you want to hear us talk about something that you might know about that we don't, uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at figofmyreality. And if you want to email us, the email is figmentofmyreality at gmail.com. Hit us up with that fact. This week's piece of reality is the medical term for butt crack, Jason is the intergluteal cleft. I'm Jeremy Bales. And I'm Jason Wright. Talk to you next week.